0: Oh, sorry. I just want to eat you up. You know, that's why old
1: ladies pinch babies' cheeks. It's the flesh. It just makes you crazy.
2: Right, right. Mm. Want to try and experiment? corners of Chicago, this is the Unenthusiastic Critic's Halloween Movie Marathon. Hello everyone and welcome to the Unenthusiastic Critic. I'm Michael McDonough, I write about film and television at unaffiliatedcritic.com, With me today is a fine young cannibal, my lovely wife Nakia, also known as the Unenthusiastic Critic. Hello. On today's episode, Nakia and I are continuing our 2018 Halloween movie marathon with a new modern classic from the French extremity movement, Julia DeCorno's 2016 film Raw. Nakia, what do you know about Raw?
1: I know the basic plot. I heard about it when it came out. It was a big deal because it was a female director. Mm -hmm. So my understanding is that this is a young woman who is a vegetarian who goes off to veterinary school, I Mm -hmm. believe, and discovers that she likes eating raw meat. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) hilarity ensues from there.
0: Okay.
2: So Julia DeCornow, this is her feature debut. She actually insists this is not a horror
0: movie.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, she says she's a big fan of horror movies. She would know how to make a horror movie if she wanted to. That's not what she set out to do with this movie. Because she said it. it, it this was not intended to scare the viewer.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, it's not to make the viewer jump. And I see where she's coming from with that. It's
1: a coming of age story of
2: a. It's a a surprisingly sensitive coming of age story. I think it's you know an exploration of sexuality and body image and eating disorders (laughs) Mm -hmm. and addiction bullying. There's a lot of stuff going on in this movie. You know, I think it can be viewed as a feminist fable. I don't know. This is all stuff we will talk about.
0: Okay,
2: but it's also gross. (laughs) DeCornow may not have set out to scare the viewer, but she did set out to make the viewer uneasy, and she succeeded in that goal. Raw made a big splash on the festival circuit, particularly when, during a Midnight Madness screening at the Toronto Film Festival, ambulances were called for multiple audience members who either passed out and or vomited in the cinema. I mean, you can't buy that kind of publicity. That's that's
1: pretty good PR there, yeah.
2: (laughs) So, I think before we get to the film itself, let's talk briefly about your level of squeamishness. <laughs> I mean, we've talked already during this marathon about what scares you, mm-hmm. but I don't think we've talked about, you know, what makes your skin crawl and your stomach turn, and what what squicks you out?
1: Um, well, it's interesting that we're sort of in this sort of body horror genre, because I think a lot of the themes that probably gross me out the most are in that space. Mm-hmm. So a film like The Fly is probably one of the that,
2: that's a classic
1: disgusting things I've ever seen in my life.
2: David Cronenberg is pretty much the first <laughs> name that comes up when you start talking about body <laughs> horror.
1: It's really disgusting. I mean, Goldblum's transformation into The Fly is just a test of your, you know, gag reflex because he's just, <laughs> there's shit falling off of him. He's picking parts of his human body off of himself as he sort of makes this transformation into the sort of weird hybrid fly monster that he becomes as he starts to sort of take on more and more characteristics of the fly, the way that he eats. So now he has to vomit on his food (laughs) in order to be able to eat it. So that scene is particularly disgusting. Even
2: even before it gets to that extreme, like gradually it happens over the course of the film. And Gina Davis says to him early in that process, she's like, you look bad, Seth, and you smell bad. Like he's just, his body is just Decaying, decaying. yeah. And for me, there's a lot of gross, disgusting scenes in that movie, but the one that gets me is just a very minor passing moment where he's looking in the mirror, and he's chewing on his fingernail, and he just peels he the whole off. fingernail yeah. off, mm-hmm. and then he, like, squeezes pus out It's disgusting. It's horrifying.
1: I'm the person that, like, people, there's a whole, like, genre on YouTube and... I think there's even a TV show now of like Doctor P- uh, Pimple Popper or something like. Oh People God, no. like watching like mm-hmm. really yeah. just corroded cysts, sort of like <laughs> shit like that. I don't. Uh, it just bugs me, and I can't. I can't deal with it. and I don't understand how anybody enjoys looking at shit like that. Um, so yeah, the fly is probably high, and then we don't even get to like Gina Davis in the dream sequence having the fly baby, which is just. <laughs> I mean, birth, even when it's human, is disgusting. But you add on to that it being a weird fly maggot baby, and I just no, no, thank you. That's quite all right
2: I think that's I think there's there are like a lot of different subgenres of body horror, mm-hmm. and I was trying to just identify what some of them are. I think definitely having something inside you That's a big deal. Yeah. that is not supposed yeah. to be there is one of them.
1: Yeah, it's that idea of like a foreign body that is then going to sort of punch its way <laughs> out of you is particularly disgusting. I cannot handle it. So something like Alien mm-hmm. is, hits that pretty strongly with the alien sort of, you know, ejecting itself <laughs> out of that guy's uh, stomach uh-huh. and then skittering across the room. <laughs> Particularly disgusting. That movie, Slither.
2: I think that was one of our first dates. That I was might looking have been thinking, one of
1: our first dates. <laughs> James
2: Slither, James Gunn's 2006 film. Just, a, I, I know how to show a lady a good you time. You
1: really do. Wine and dine and horrify. Um, <laughs> but
2: that really should have told you what you were getting into. It, right it Really, there. I did
1: not read the signs. I really didn't pay attention to the signs. But there's this sequence where the host alien thing like impregnates this woman and over the course of the film you just sort of see her get bigger and bigger and bigger <laughs> as she fills up with these like slither worms she just
2: bloats to like it's disgusting she, she like becomes house size. she's basically, up, basically in a yeah.
1: barn taking up the whole but her body's just a ball she's yeah. like um violet is it violet that blows up in uh
2: oh you uh, know willy wonka, <laughs> willy wonka. Yeah. she's
1: violet but you know twice um <laughs> so yeah and so she you know, she's alive during the whole thing, and she's like, I feel them crawling inside of me, and I'm just so hungry, I'm so hungry, and she's eating and eating, and then eventually she gets to the point where she just bursts open, and all these Slither slugs just sort of crawl, it's just a disgusting, (laughs) disgusting scene, but yeah.
2: Yeah, so Slither and Alien, that's kind of in the sort of parasite Mm -hmm. subgenre where you get this thing inside you that is going to transform you in some way or right. destroy your body in some way. I think there's a lot of those I think the thing yes. is that movie. Mm-hmm. That's a another great body horror movie. Um then I think there's a subgenre of infection movies that's mm-hmm. a little different that where it's just disease and decay, mm-hmm. that whole fear of the body just falling apart. Right. I think there's metamorphosis or mutation movies, and the fly is that kind of yeah, movie that's yeah. your body's just becoming something else that you can't control. I think werewolf movies fit that category. American werewolf in London that great transformation scene. <laughs> Here's a movie I know you happen to like teeth
1: I do like teeth. yes, I haven't I need to watch that again. <laughs> I appreciate that's another because that was all about vagina dentata, uh-huh. which i I just think that's a brilliant idea. But see that was that treated as a negative?
2: Well, no. It was sort of empowering <laughs> it was in right. that film. <laughs> <Just Yeah.
1: like laughs> it was like a superpower.
2: Because I think she she grew them when she needed them. Yeah. She was being assaulted right. or something.
1: Right. And, uh, yeah, and, but when she found someone she actually liked, it wasn't a problem, I believe. Uh, that,
2: that part I don't maybe. remember. <laughs> it may it may still have been a problem. That would be
1: that would be useful to have sort of retractable teeth. <laughs> Shut that shit down. <laughs>
2: Uh, I think there's a subgenre of sort of forced transformation. Mm-hmm. This is when someone is altering your body. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, and I have not seen any of the human centipede no, movies, but no. I guess that's what's going on there.
1: I cannot, I just know. <laughs>
2: Uh, I think Dead Ringers, the other Cronenberg movie that you like, would probably <laughs> fit that category. I did not like
1: that film. Let's go on record that I did not <laughs> like that film at all.
2: I wish we had done that for the blog or the podcast. A horrible that's, film. yes. It's just... Evil, insane gynecologist is Talk just Talk
1: about a... wanting your vagina to have teeth. Like, that's just, no. That was disturbing.
2: Uh freaks is a movie we watched that that was a interesting for us. conversation yeah that was for this category disturbing
1: for a whole bunch of different reasons but yeah did they turn into a chicken or something
2: <laughs> they uh yeah they like they...
1: sewed half of her body onto a chicken's yes, lip which is again that... not possible to do <laughs> but okay and she was just still alive walking around <laughs> There's also sort of I don't know what we would call the poltergeist scene because it's a hallucination.
2: Oh, where he rips his face yeah. off in the mirror. Yeah. That's pretty terrifying. I mean, I think I think that counts okay. for me even though it's it's kind of a dream sequence right. he just starts picking, picking in at his face, face and it yeah. just keeps coming off there's a scene in uh eli roth's cabin fever which is not a movie i love but i do remember the scene that's about like a flesh-eating bacteria disease mm. and this girl is like shaving her legs in the bathtub oh, no nope. and just strips nope. of flesh just start mm-hmm. coming off her legs. That's, yeah, Mm-mm. disturbing. Yeah, no. <laughs> okay, so we've identified, the, I think, that you are a little squeamish. Yes. Oh, the other thing I wanted to mention that I know you are uncomfortable with is, what's that show we watch sometimes, The Medical?
1: Oh, it was something about parasites, right, or something like...
2: Monsters, Monsters Inside, Inside Me, me or me. something yeah. like that it's yeah. called. Mm-hmm.
1: And let no, we don't watch. You turn it on, <laughs> and I'm in the room, and you make me watch it.
2: It's these just true, real life medical horror stories about exactly people with worms in their eyes and stuff like that. That's yeah, yeah,
1: cannot do it because that shit happens, man. Like no, Mm-mm. no.
2: The the one that, and I don't know if it was on that show or some other medical show I was watching, but it was. Somebody who had like a twelve foot worm inside their body.
1: Well, and then you have to like pull it out little by little. Right, that was yeah. that's the part that
2: freaks me out. Is they like, pull out an inch right. and then leave it there, and you have to go back next week and get another because inch. Because if you try out. to
1: pull it out, like, it I breaks. I don't want this thing yeah. wiggling
2: around in me. No. Like no, just cut off the leg. At that, that shows point. you
1: like how like medicine comes has come a long way, but some shit. <laughs> <laughs> like you have to live with that worm because we can only take it out centimeter by centimeter or it's going to break and then you know like float off into your body and we won't be able to find it again. Like no, 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 no. This is yeah. Don't like go pee in the Amazon or anything. Like it's just <laughs> just a shit like there should be a list of like
2: Nature is scary as hell. It's
1: scary as hell and it is trying to kill you, which I don't blame it because we are trying to kill it, but Jesus.
2: <laughs> Okay, but you are not particularly squeamish about blood, I don't think.
1: No, I don't mind blood, yeah. So,
2: like, Suspiria, which we watched a couple weeks ago, didn't really bother you. No, that
1: was a lot... But it was also... I mean, Suspiria has a level of ridiculousness to it. I mean, anybody that's stabbed 30 times... Like, it's just... Okay. So, yeah, the blood didn't bother me. And maybe because it is that sort of neon pink blood that doesn't look particularly realistic. Maybe that's it. I think I have a thing with tearing into flesh. I think that, like peeling flesh off the face someone like eating something fleshy in a gross <laughs> way i think that's my area where it's just, like i can't deal with that which makes me particularly nervous about this film
2: oh, I, I don't think this film's gonna have i think that's all it's gonna be any, it's gonna be mm-hmm. any problem for yeah. you whatsoever nope <laughs> <laughs> okay well let's let's segue into into watching this film as i think i said last week my guess is probably not A huge percentage of our audience has seen this film, but they should go watch it. And it's on Netflix. They have no excuse to pause the podcast now and go watch this film. It's great. It's sitting at a good 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. British critic Mark Kermode named Raw the best film of the year in 2017. Hmm. David Fear at Rolling Stone went further than that, saying Raw was a contender for best horror movie of the decade. Taylor Antrim at Vogue called it a humane cannibal film. Horrifying and powerful and oddly humane.
1: That's a word you don't <laughs> hear often when talking about cannibalism. <laughs>
2: Katie Reif at the A.V. Club said it was a beautifully realized, symbolically rich, and disturbingly erotic meditation on primal hungers of all kinds. I really like this movie.
1: Humane and erotic.
2: I think you're going to like it if you can get through it.
1: That's a big if. (laughs)
2: Let's go find out. Okay. Hey everyone, this is Michael. And this is the part of the episode where I usually insert the trailer for the movie we're discussing as a bumper between segments. But, of course, our movie this week is in French. We do have a surprisingly large following in France, bonjour à tous, but the trailer for Raw, which you are hearing behind my voice, has no dialogue anyway. So I'm going to take this opportunity to thank you for listening, and to ask you to support our hard work here at The Unenthusiastic Critic. We absolutely love doing this, but it is a pretty significant investment of time and money, supported, like everything at unaffiliatedcritic.com, by no advertising whatsoever. So, if you are enjoying the podcast, and you want to reward Nakia for her suffering, I invite you to go to unaffiliatedcritic.com, hit the donate button, and make a small contribution via PayPal. Any loose change you send us will help cover hosting fees, editing software, movie rentals, and the cupcakes that I occasionally have to use to bribe Nakia into doing this. You can also support The Unenthusiastic Critic for free by leaving us a starred review on iTunes, or by getting on social media and telling your followers and friends all about us. Now, having successfully cannibalized this bumper segment, see what I did there, I want to thank you for listening once again, and return you to our regularly scheduled blathering. Enjoy the show. Okay, during the break, Nikia and I watched Raw. Nikia, was this film to your taste? Were you able to sink your teeth into it.
1: That's beneath you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Nothing clearly is beneath me. It's beneath me. <laughs> well, yes, obviously. Uh, what did you think?
1: I thought it was really well done, actually. I really yeah, enjoyed it's it. it's a really good yeah. movie. It injects some new blood, but I'm bum, into <laughs> the coming-of-age story by sort of taking these these milestones that we're sort of used to seeing and sort of refracting them through this new prism of horror, which I thought was really interesting.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I... I think there's a dozen different ways you can approach this film, mm-hmm. but one of them is, I think it's a great college movie.
1: It is. It's a really great movie. It's a great
2: movie. movie about that first, those first few weeks of college. I mean, I think we all knew kids who got to college and...
1: Lost their fucking minds. Lost
2: their minds. Mm-hmm. discovered drinking and discovered mm-hmm. sex and discovered that they didn't have to live by their parents' rules anymore and went a little out of control. Yes. And I think this movie works just on that level as a metaphor for that. Mm-hmm. So one of the reasons I wanted to watch this is that I wanted to do a film by a female Mm writer-director. We hadn't done a horror film by a woman before. Do you think that makes a big difference?
1: I think for this one in particular, (laughs) yes, it makes a huge difference. Because it is all about the sort of female experience. Mm -hmm. It's a female gaze. So I don't, I, and I, that's not to say that a, a male director couldn't accomplish it, but I think... No,
0: but
2: so much horror yeah, is about the male gaze, Right,
1: babies. right, and this wasn't that at all. I appreciated having that sort of different perspective mm-hmm. and approaching it from a different perspective. Particularly when you're dealing with this sort of burgeoning sexuality of a young girl. hmm It takes some special sort of consideration and responsibility to do that in an appropriate way that isn't objectifying. Mm-hmm. And also, what I liked about this film, or one of the things that I liked about this film, is I think it plays with this idea of the inherent danger of womanhood and our society's fear of women, particularly women who are sort of fully actualized and mm-hmm. empowered. We can talk about this later, but one of, the, one of the first things I noticed at the beginning of the film, you know, it's Justine and her parents... And they're, they're driving her to college, and they're at this diner. And she and her mother are sort of interacting normally, but you can tell that the dad is sort of off-put by her. Like, he's not completely comfortable around mm-hmm. her. And I feel like that's sort of a common trope in a lot of films about young girls, particularly the girls on that verge of teenager-to-womanhood, of... Dad's not quite knowing how to interact with them in a way that they're becoming this sort of sexualized being, right? And it's it's this idea, it's it's fear, like it's this fear of like this. I have this was my little girl, and now she's becoming a woman, and she's going out into the world, and I know what that means, and I don't quite know how to connect with her anymore.
2: Now, granted, when we get to the end of the film, right, we also understand there might be a reason. There's for some other that, shit behind that. that. <laughs> There's other stuff going on,
1: there. <laughs> right? But I do think that that's there. But but right. But then again, I think that that also just serves as this larger metaphor of. The fear that society and men in particular have of women and their sort of potential for being fully themselves and fully Mm -hmm. in power of that. And so if you had a a male director handling that, I think it it may have come off differently to me than knowing that it was a female director sort of crafting this story. I think there's probably just more trust there Mm -hmm. than there maybe would have been otherwise.
2: So I mean, we talked about this as body horror, but mm-hmm. I, I also watching it realized it's just an intensely physical film.
1: It's very physical,
2: and I started to make a list, and then I realized every scene in this movie is mm-hmm. about the body, mm-hmm. specifically about the female body. Well, there's there are a couple of that are about the male, the male body. body,
0: yeah,
2: and it's it's done. The film is gorgeous, the cinematography Mm -hmm. is gorgeous, but it's also done with sort of an authenticity and a realism that Mm -hmm. you don't see in most movies of any kind, Mm -hmm. I think, let alone most horror movies. Everything is just located in the body. Mm -hmm. Even just scenes of her sleeping, just the way she moves through a crowd and all of the bodies around her, just everything is, is... so intensely physical.
1: Yeah, and what I liked about it was it was almost this sort of, it was the body, but it was the body almost taken back to this sort of atavistic state of, like, somehow returning to this ancestral primal thing. Because a lot of the movement, like, she has the actors on the floor a lot, or at a sort of hunched over, Mm -hmm. or bent over, Mm -hmm. and sort of this idea of, like, this evolution that's happening, and so she had to sort of return to this ancestral state to then evolve into this sort of woman that she was going to become. Um, because it really is, it's, it's also this sort of kids in college are sort of animals and animalistic and Mm. and (laughs) it's just, you know, you're sort of dirty and you're, (laughs) uh, you're not quite taking care of yourself in the way that you're supposed to be taking care of. And you are indulging in some of your sort of basis impulses because you can at this point. Um, so it felt very physical, but, physical and animalistic in a way, somehow devolved.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, well let's let's kinda go through let's kinda go through this film. Okay. So we open with sort of a prologue. We don't know what it means yet. hmm We see this empty road and this lone figure walking down the road. We can't make out who that is. And then a car approaches and then this person throws themselves in front of the car. The car veers off and crashes into a tree.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And we see the person walk up to the car, and then we cut away from that scene. Right. I guess later we figure out that that was the sister.
1: Alexia. Right. <laughs> Alex.
2: But then we go, then we cut to that scene you were talking about where it's where it's Justine. Uh, Garance Marillier, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Um, she's fantastic. She's amazing. And her parents, on their way to college, and they're they're in this cafeteria, and she's ordered the... Vegetarian special, something.
1: It's basically a plate of mashed potatoes. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's often what's left for vegetarians at rest stop diners. It's like, okay, well, you can have some mashed potatoes.
2: And she finds a piece of meat in it. <clears throat> and everybody freaks out. Yes. Because the family is vegan.
1: Deeply, deeply vegan. (laughs) Militantly vegan, yes. And it's a great scene because it's, she has this white plate full of white mashed potatoes, and then all of a sudden she spits this like sort of red meaty thing out of her mouth, Mm -hmm. and so this this sort of idea of like, you know, contamination of the the purity of the mashed potatoes, which I thought was great. And it's also great because she's wearing this ridiculous like unicorn t-shirt that's very childish
2: infantilizing, in infantilizing
1: t-shirt in it so she she looks like a little kid
2: and her parents specifically her mother are very controlling
1: very doting and just you know spit it out oh my god i need to take this yeah. plate back you did you bite it
2: did you bite into it are you sure
1: so that's a great little efficient way to sort of set up those relationships and set up who these people are before we move into the meat of the film mm-hmm.
2: And she is. She just at at the beginning of the film. She does just seem. She's timid. She's not confident. Mm -hmm. She's very shy. Awkward in her body. Mm -hmm. Her clothes are rumpled and covered in lint. And Mm -hmm. she's just you know this sort of shrinking violet character. Um, But she's on her way to vet school.
1: Right. The whole family has (laughs) attended this veterinary school. Yeah. Which raises some other questions. Uh. But. They drop her off at this very sort of brutalistic looking building. <laughs> it's not <laughs> a pretty campus at all. And they basically speed off away, they like drop <laughs> her off
2: and speed off. The father says he's like, "This is this is shittier than I remember." Yeah, right, like
1: this it campus. Looks, and, it's, it yeah. looks like it sort of decayed a bit. I don't know. I can't imagine how much nicer it was because it really it looks like my dorm building actually, which was not, nice, which was a, I believe a former insane asylum. Mm. Um. So you know.
2: The same guy that built our dorms also built prisons, and you could see yeah. that in the Yeah, I
1: think that happened a lot mm-hmm. on college campuses, and that does not make for the most stimulating
2: environment.
1: <laughs> but yeah, so we drop her off at college. Yeah.
2: So apparently this school has some fairly intense mm-hmm. initiation rites for its students.
1: Who knew? Veterinary school was so hardcore.
2: <laughs> and I don't know if this is a thing that happens... I mean, I think our school had some version of like Hell Night for freshmen, where they drag you out of bed mm. and you make you do stupid stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and I know like fraternities and things yeah. that have horrible rush weeks, but here apparently every student in the school, every incoming freshman, yeah, to torture and humiliation. Yes. And they, they drag them all out of bed in their underwear.
1: They throw their mattresses out the window. Throw their mattresses
2: out the window. But again, just bodies. It's yeah. like they're they're not wearing, some of them aren't wearing shirts. They're wearing their underwear, pajamas, or whatever they went to sleep in. Mm-hmm. They're not made up. They're just these physical forms that are basically turned into like zombies. Yeah. They march them through the campus at night. Or
1: herds of animals, actually. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: At one point, actually making them crawl. Right. Like animals, that atavistic thing you were talking mm-hmm. about. But yeah, this kinda looks like a it would suck to go to this school.
1: Yeah, I mean I that was not my experience my freshman year. I don't think there was any hazing of freshmen, at least that I was aware of. Again, there may have been something happening with those that were, you know, going into Greek life. But it's uh, yeah, I'm also just like, bitch, I'm paying to be here. Like don't you're not gonna throw my mattress <laughs> out the window. Like we're gonna have to have words. Um so <laughs> yeah. So they crawl through this sort of weird passageway and it lets them out into this sort of crazy, sweaty Bacchanal that's happening. Yes. It's just bodies rubbing up on bodies mm-hmm. and sweat and drinking and drugs and smoking and
2: people are making out. On the and dance Justine
1: floor is just walking around like a you know, a deer in the guys woods. Are,
2: guys are yelling slutted up girls yeah, to the and the, the girls are and showing the girls their tits are flashing their
0: boobs. <laughs>
2: And, yeah, she is walking through this very intimidated Mm -hmm. and obviously very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Just pushing through these sweaty, orgiistic bodies. She goes looking for her new roommate, Adrian.
1: Who she requested a woman.
2: Yes. And they
1: gave her a gay man. he said, it's basically the same thing. (laughs) (laughs)
2: So,
1: that's... He, she finds him, and he's, you know, making out in the corner with some guy, and yeah. so she quickly turns away, and then finds her sister, Alexia. And then
2: finds her sister, Alex. What do you make of Alex?
1: You know, she gives off that upperclassman, I've been here, I got this shit on lock vibe. But the first time we meet her, she seems really excited to see Justine, and, you know, loving, and like, oh, my little sister's here, and, you know. Mm-hmm. But, um, but, yeah, she's definitely the party.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I like... Again, with just the the constant physicality and the constant references to bodies and body image and everything. It's like one of the first things Alex says to her is like, oh, is my thong showing? Mm -hmm. This thing about women always being aware of.
1: That they're on display. That they're
2: on display. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of that stuff in this film about clothes and appearance and all of that. Mm -hmm. But Alex takes her to this room, this dark room full of. Like
0: specimens
2: mutated fetal <laughs> pigs and stuff in jars again just this kind of body horror mm-hmm. transferred into this other
1: well I like about that scene is that so they enter the room and it's pitch black we can't see anything we just sort of hear Justine saying where are the lights um and Alex tells her you know don't turn on the lights because we're not supposed to be in here and then you just see flashes of light and it's Alex turning on and off a um, flashlight yeah and just sort of shooting so you get these just sort of quick spotlights on, you know, the the fetal pigs and all these other sort of specimens in the jars. And then we find out that the reason she brought her down there was to show her the photos of the past classes, freshman classes. Right. And in particular show her the picture of the class that had her, their mom and father in it.
2: Right. Apparently they do a class picture of every class of Mm -hmm. freshmen covered in blood. Yes. They dump blood all over Mm -hmm. them. Yes. Which in one of the next scenes, that's what...
1: Right. That is part of the rush week hazing ritual is right. that the entire freshman class gets carried. Um, exactly. And it's perfect. It's And that's a great shot because you have all of the freshmen sort of standing, you know, in photos where they have the sort of tiers of mm-hmm. bleachers. And so they're all standing there in their white lab coats and you just see this single drop of blood. Fall onto Justine's shoulder, and she just sort of looks at it like, What the hell? And then she looks Mm -hmm. up and just sees this this ocean of blood (laughs) coming down on them.
2: Opening the elevators at the overlook.
1: Awesome shot. It was a great shot.
2: (laughs) And it's at that gathering, I think, that they make her eat.
1: Yes. So, another part of the uh, hazing ritual is that every freshman has to eat a rabbit kidney, which, (laughs) what the fuck? Um, These people are supposed to be caring for animals. And so she puts up a bit of a fight because she's vegan and yeah. so she's trying to say, I'm not I'm just not gonna do that. And she has
2: we assume never eaten meat.
1: Never eaten meat. And so Alex comes over and is basically like, Don't, you know, embarrass yourself in front of these people. Don't be a chicken, <laughs> right. just eat the liver, it's not a big deal. And basically just shoves it down Justine's throat and makes her eat it. And she sort of retches a bit afterward, but... Which I
2: mean. is an interesting... Mo- I mean, we're not trying to avoid spoilers. Right. If people haven't watched the movie, go watch the movie. It's an interesting moment because Alex knows what's going to happen.
1: Yeah. yeah. She knows what they are.
2: Right. Mm -hmm. So does she want it to happen? Does she want a playmate in this? It's
1: possible. But maybe she didn't. Maybe she didn't know if. Does she think it's empowering?
2: And I mean, we sort of get a glimpse of that later when we see how Alex handles this.
1: She may not have known that Justine was sort of susceptible Uh, to the same appetites. She knew. yeah, it could also have been that she, that just like, you know, tweezing your eyebrows and and waxing your bikini area, you know, becoming a cannibal was part of becoming a woman.
0: (laughs) A ritual. mm -hmm.
1: You were going to share it with her. (laughs) So Justine develops this really horrific looking rash. I mean, it's just... And she's so she's that's in, the
2: first real that's the first kind of real just like oh
1: guys so she's in bed sort of under the covers and we see her scratching furiously and we don't see the rash initially we just see her scratching and she throws the cover off of herself and it is just just red and painful and it almost looks like the measles and it's just and yeah. she's scratch and you want to say stop scratching stop scratching, stop scratching.
0: <laughs>
1: because it just looks like she's going to you know scrape her skin off. And that same night, she has this sort of dream of a horse, this beautiful black horse, sort of bound and on this sort of treadmill, treadmill right. just cantering. But the horse can't go anywhere because he's he's strapped up. Yeah. But that's sort of the first overt connection between... Sort of Justine's awakening and evolution and con- her connection to this sort of animalistic impulses. Mm-hmm. This idea of, like, a horse wanting to be free, and it, but it's been bound and it can't quite break free. That was just an awesome shot.
2: Okay, so she takes her rash to the doctor. And it it's worse. This woman doctor, <laughs> who's one of the, I think, is she the only adult woman in the film?
1: Other than Justine's mom?
2: Yeah, but even Justine's mom is barely present. present.
1: Yeah. I think so, because a couple of professors we meet are men. That might be, yeah. 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 Um,
2: And they have an interesting conversation. They
1: do have an interesting... So she's... Justine's rash is peeling <laughs> and so she is sort of tweezing off these huge just sheets of skin and it looks painful and terrible. And you know, and she asks these questions of Justine that, you know, these are the questions you get when you're a freshman in in college is like, Okay, are you sexually active? And right. Justine, you know, sort of shyly says no. Does she ask her about an eating disorder?
0: I can't remember.
2: Yeah, she does, and it's It's not clear why she brings that up. She starts talking about another patient she had who was morbidly obese. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, just getting into that whole body image thing and the shame of women's bodies Mm -hmm. and all of that. And how she just wanted to be average.
1: Right. Well, it's a great story because, so, it's, it's a student who had visited various doctors... And no one could sort of figure out what was wrong with her. They basically all said, oh, well, you just need to lose weight. And then she finally gets to this nurse that is in the scene with Justine. And she takes her blood and, you know, just treats her like a normal patient and doesn't really address her weight because the weight wasn't a factor. Right, she and, says you know, the
2: girl started crying right. <laughs> because she said, you're the first doctor who not mentioned mention my, my weight.
1: weight. Um, and that's a very sort of real common thing for a lot of women is you go into the doctor, one, they don't believe you when you say what symptoms you have they sort of tie it to this idea of like you know all hysterical woman who's making up her her symptoms or they hyper focus on your weight as the reason why that brings you there when it is not at all related or important
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um so yeah so again it is this sort of policing of women's bodies um the judgments that are made about women and their their sort of responsibility for themselves, like how well they're taking care of themselves yeah. based on their weight. It's a a really great scene. And there are a number of um, callbacks to weight throughout the film, particularly with Justine after she, after she sort of discovers her new appetites. You know, her sister at one point asks her... If she, she looks she says, you look like you lost weight. I hope you're not anorexic because that's disgusting. <laughs> right. right <laughs> so, but So her eating people is not disgusting, but her being anorexic is absolutely disgusting. Right.
2: And the very next scene after the doctor's visit, Justine gets stopped by one of these upper class mm-hmm. people in the hallway and is told that... You
1: girls know, have to wear something hot.
2: Right. You know, you obviously didn't get the message. The dress code is nightclub. She right. says girls are supposed to be dressed in something hot. Right. And Justine says, well, I don't have anything. So the girl makes her wear a diaper.
1: Yes. Because if you're not hot, then you're a baby. Right. (laughs) So, so yes. Again, this is part of this sort of rush week activity, which I don't know how this is allowed to go on. Um, And it's also... You know, you have to think that her father went to the school, her mother went to the school, her older sister went to this. At no point did somebody say there has to be a different veterinary school in all <laughs> this of France. Be the only because this is not a healthy school. environment. It's particularly not a healthy environment for someone who has cannibalistic tendencies. <laughs> and you know that they're going to have to eat a rabbit's liver on right. the first day. That's going to trigger them. I don't know why they're here, um, but <laughs> this better be a good ass school.
2: Although, again. It sort of works on a metaphoric level. Mm-hmm. I actually have a friend whose son just started college, the same place that she and I both went. Yes. Mm-hmm. And there is part of that where you look at that and you're like, really? <laughs> like, do you remember what we did and what we got up to there and how what it was like for us? Right. And you're going to send your kid there to go through the same thing? Yes. Like, okay.
1: Well, it's also interesting, and I just uh, to think about that in our sort of current environment, coming off of um, the Kavanaugh hearing and that whole sort of pipeline of assholes that come out of those prep schools, and it's, it's right. just like. Your dad went and his dad went and yeah. they all were assholes in the same way that you were an asshole with yeah. the drinking and the, you know, the the sort of abuse and objectification of women.
2: Your son and your grandson right. are and all going to go there and learn exactly. the same stuff.
1: And, and you went because it, it was, that's the good school. And, and your it, daughter's going to go out there Exactly. And was, so this idea of like, well, that's yep. where we all went and it's obviously, you know, probably a good institution, but it also is a sort of breeding ground for these... Aberrant behaviors. (laughs) So, yeah. So So it's interesting to sort of see that. What is usually a very male-focused sort of, well, that boys will be boys sort of thing. And sort of flip it on its head and say, well, this is what that looks like when it's, you know,
2: Mm -hmm. from a
1: female point of view.
2: Yeah, so Justine has been made to wear the diaper.
1: Right.
2: And then she goes to see Alex to get some new clothes.
1: Right, and Alex gives her an old cocktail dress of hers and a pair of heels. (laughs) And it is just... Justine cannot walk in the heels. And you just see she, her sort of wobbling all around campus. She looks
2: so awkward. She's she just, wearing the dress over uh, her clothes. It's just
1: so bad. It's, she looks like a little girl who's gotten dressed up in her mom's stuff.
2: And her sister, like, I, I'm i not a sister, I- But like the relationship between the sisters feels so real. It's
1: very real. It's love and And hate at the same time. It's like the
2: sister is trying to help her, but she's also giving her shit. Yeah, and just like you know, I can't even deal with right.
1: You're getting on my nerves. Get out. Right. (laughs) 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 It's a great relationship the two of them have. (laughs) But yeah, so you get that you know perfect visual of her sort of teetering around on these heels that she obviously can't wear. Yeah. And the dress doesn't quite fit right, mainly because she's wearing it over her clothes.
0: (laughs) Um... (laughs)
2: And she gets back to the dorm and her mattress has been thrown on the lawn with all the other mattresses. And she's trying to, wearing the heels and the dress, (laughs) trying to drag her mattress (laughs) up the stairs. And again, just the mix of just sexual metaphors and, Mm -hmm. you know, body image stuff and all of this that's going on in that.
1: It's a really great little sequence. Um,
2: And she gets back to her room and Adrian is standing there getting a blowjob. Yes. From somebody and she has to slam the door. Yes. And again, it's just such a powerful...
1: But then she stands there and she listens.
2: Yes, exactly.
1: Which is a key moment. She did not... She saw her roommate getting hit, and then she closes the door out of embarrassment, but then she stands at the door and she listens. Yes. Because she's deeply intrigued and interested.
2: It's just such a powerful cusp of sexual awakening Mm -hmm. thing where she's just so awkward, but something is happening here. Yes. And the very next day, she steals a hamburger.
1: Yes. So they're in the cafeteria line, and she's getting her usual sad vegetables. And then she comes to the just vat of burger and grease, and she slides her hand into it and picks out a burger patty and puts it in her lab coat (laughs) pocket, which... not good
0: planning.
2: <laughs> no, that was really a bad. idea. <laughs> but it's also so great because it's like she, she could have just bought a burger. Right. Nobody would she, care. There That's was the shame thing about college. She was so but she hasn't made that yeah. leap yet. That, like, okay. Uh, There's so the much rules, shame around it. I get to decide my right. own rules here.
1: She gets to the register, and obviously the burger patty is just leaking grease out of her coat. And so <laughs> the cashier's like, You got something in your pocket there? Yeah. And she's like, well, What are you talking about? <laughs> but it's this great moment. And, you know, Adrian ends up sort of saving the day and just says, here, I'll pay for the burger, just, you know, let's go. And she throws it in the trash and she asks him, she's like, do you think anybody saw? And so it really is about sort of shame of it. But it's also like the power of labels. Like once you've labeled yourself a vegan, God forbid anybody seeing right. you even think about eating meat because then it's just your entire identity is brought into question and and, and, and you know, you have no morals. But then there's also this sort of larger issue of... The focus and policing we do around what women eat, how women eat, Mm -hmm. how much women eat, just the very act of eating a meal, daring to enjoy that meal and not feeling pressure to either purge it or to work it off or any Like that's a a political sort of statement in and of itself for many women and particularly women who are, who inhabit quote unquote non-mainstream bodies because then it becomes, oh, well, why do you think you can eat? This shouldn't you be watching mm. your weight, things like this? So, it, there's a lot going on in this film that I thought was really interesting around sort of female consumption.
2: And Adrian actually enables her. He does. Adrian, <laughs> first of all, he pays for the burger and right. he just sort of laughs it off. And then he takes her out for shawarma and kebab. Come she
1: smashes it. She eats it so <laughs> happily and with
2: such lust. And he does notice the way she he does. eats like're kind of watching ate. her yeah. dig into this.
1: Mm-hmm. And there's a weird exchange there. Yeah. Where one of the, so they're at this, basically it's like a truck stop. And one of the truckers comes over and is weirdly caressing Adrian's ear. Yeah. And very sexual sort of predatory way while talking to them about pigs because there's some connection between like truckers using pigs on the road or something like it's a weird (laughs) little exchange and so again so this connection with sex and in particular like deviant sex and food and the consumption of food Um, and
2: he says pigs are like humans mm -hmm. have you learned that yet in that school like on a genetic level he says pigs and humans are very close together so this conflation of Mm -hmm. you know meet with me right. basically. Exactly. But also again, yeah, just that weird physical exchange and the weird just sex just permeates mm-hmm. everything in this movie. Mm-hmm. There's that guy is, you know, creepily sexual with Adrian and even the hazing stuff when they're making them chant things. Mm-hmm. It's like it's always sex, it's mm-hmm. always about dicks and fucking and like yeah. everything.
1: Yeah. So we get home that night, back to the dorm. Right. And she's
2: she's had her first real meal, taste of the meat, meat.
1: And we see her crouch down in front of the fridge. Yeah. And Adrian comes upon her and he's like, "Hey, what's going on? Are you eating?" And she's like, <laughs> "Oh yeah, I breakfast." And it's like two AM or some weird <laughs> hour. Um. He's like, "Okay, well, what what are you eating for breakfast?" And she's like, "Cereal." And he's like, "Oh, okay." And just you know, incredulously, just sort of he's walks like, away. "Cereal's up there." Right. Like, okay, I'm just gonna let you do whatever it is you're doing down there. <laughs> And then we see that she is tearing into a package of raw chicken breasts and just eats it with such just glee and lust. And it's, I just, ugh, ugh. I, it's so, I when I ate meat, I didn't even like touching chicken breasts to like season it. Um, it was something that you just had to sort of get through. But to, I can't imagine eating raw chicken breasts. But that's sort of the... Sort of turning point for her of like, okay, this is going to be a problem yeah.
2: <laughs> for you. <laughs> but also, again, that thing about policing what women mm-hmm. eat, right? That whole thing of where he comes across right. her like that. What and are you eating,
1: and why are you eating? Shamefully,
2: yeah. you know, lying about what it is she's eating. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and then it's the day after that that she has let Adrian cheat off her test or something earlier, mm-hmm. and that she's confronted by a professor about a that.
1: male professor. Yes, it's very important. Who hates her.
2: Hates her for being too smart.
1: Right. He's basically like, I know exactly who you are. I know who your parents are. And I know you think you're hot shit. And, you know, a kid like Adrian who's struggling, I'd rather see him stay than have you in my class. You yeah. know, sort of... Dis, you know
2: uh intimidating
1: right intimidating the other students with your intellect so it was a very you know male authority figure yeah. judging and, and trying to shame a woman for daring to achieve and excel in a way that he didn't think she was worthy of right um and the whole time she's <laughs> fucking <laughs> gnawing on her hair this
2: was the worst part of the movie for you i it, think it
1: it really was cuz she's just gnashing on him just like uh ah, stop chewing on your hair and it's so then it's this thing of like psycho Nervous behaviors and tics that are typically associated with them. Right. that's
0: that's actually a real yeah. obsessive hair compulsive pulling, behavior. Hair chewing. Uh,
2: they call it Rapunzel uh, yeah. syndrome. so
1: all of the, so all of that is eating your hair. And she finally gets out. She does sort of does this terrible thing where she just says, "Okay, it was Adrian's fault. He was cheating." Right. And then she goes to the bathroom.
2: Well, but the professor knew that.
1: Right, but he wanted her to take the fall. Right,
2: and be- he was trying to protect the Adrian. man. Right. Even though he knew that the guy had cheated off of right. her, but she
1: didn't want to have to tell on her friend. But then she right. ends up having to. Do it she did. just you to know. get out of the dead <laughs> damn Which, You know, whatever. So she goes to the bathroom to vomit and. She- <sighs> <laughs>
2: Like, the flesh, the human flesh eating later right. in the film didn't bother you as much as it this It really, scene.
1: that was probably the scene where I was like, I have to get up, I cannot <laughs> sit here. Because it went on for like ten minutes. She is vomiting up the longest hairball <laughs> Like it's just she's just pulling it out, pulling it and gagging the whole time, and pulling and pulling and pulling. And it's like, how much fucking hair did you eat? And it's it just it's such a a long sequence, and I could not.
2: Yeah, no, I had to turn away from that too. I cannot watch her vomit up this hair. Disgusting.
1: So she does that, and then perfect moment (laughs) she comes out of the (laughs) stall and this other this young girl who's who's been in the bathroom the whole time obviously hearing her vomit is like oh it's easier if you do it with two fingers Mm -hmm. like pro tip if if you're gonna be anorexic you should try using two (laughs) fingers and she sort of smiles to herself in the mirror like i've done a good thing i taught that girl how to vomit better um so you have this like what was really this very disgusting you know horrible thing that she's experienced like she's eating herself yeah and that's it's less, and then she comes into contact with this woman who's, who assumes that she's doing a behavior that's considered sort of much more socialized. Like it's, oh, yeah, you're anorexic. Of course you're anorexic. Yeah. Here's how you want to do it right. Um. So this sort of juxtaposition between something that we consider and have agreed is wrong and disgusting and you shouldn't be doing it versus something that we sort of have accepted as a common behavior among young women. So I thought that was an interesting little exchange.
2: And then I think we come to the fateful night yeah. Out with Alex.
1: She goes to Alex's... Dorm, I guess it is. And they're just sort of hanging out. And Justine's in the bathroom brushing her teeth. And Alex goes in there behind her to brush her teeth. And she sort of just looks over to Justine and plucks, starts plucking at her eyebrows. So again, you get this like hyper focus on a woman's appearance and what's considered attractive and what's not. What's considered feminine and what's not. And she she lifts up Justine's arms. And Justine obviously hasn't been shaving under her arms. And so she comments on that. And it's like, I can't even imagine what's going on between your legs. She's like, I'm going to wax you. So she lays Justine, Justine's, like, splayed out on the bed, basically in stirrups, and uh, Alex proceeds to wax her. Yeah. And.
2: Oh, we haven't even mentioned the dog. The dog, right. that we got a the dog is sniffing around. Right, so Alex well.
1: has a dog, and the dog is obviously in the dorm room, and so the, the dog keeps, like, sort of sniffing in and out of <laughs> Justine's crotch, and it's a weird little exchange. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but Alex starts to wax her and at first it's going fine. I mean, it's painful as shit, <laughs> but it's going fine. And they, they do this great, it's a great because they do get super close in on the skin and the hair. And you can see like the individual hair follicles yeah. sort of being pulled out by the wax. Um, and it's just torturous and painful. And again, this sort of reminder of quite barbaric things that women do to themselves in an effort to be considered attractive or clean. Right. I mean, um, that's
2: the thing. Me yeah. watching this, that's a horror movie scene yeah. in and of it itself. Yeah. Just that procedure. <laughs> it's so awful.
1: I would bet that most women who've gone to get bikini waxes probably have a horror story of just like, that shit went wrong. <laughs> and <it was> just <laughs> Because it really is a fucked up thing to do, and we only do it because of aesthetics. Really, There's really no other reason to do it. But we've just decided that somehow vagina hair needs to be manicured. Um, Which, okay. So... Um, on the second go-round, it doesn't go so well, and the wax gets sort of stuck, and she can't quite pull it off.
2: <laughs> and she just she's just keeps tugging she keeps on surfing, it. Which is the
1: fucking worst. Like, just pull it off or leave it the Justine hell alone. like, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> because the shit hurts. Um, so Alex goes to get scissors uh-huh. to try to cut it out, which yeah. is a bad idea, and Justine is sort of flailing on the bed, saying, no, I don't think this is a good idea, I don't think, and just sort of Turns a little too wrong one time, and sort of smacks Alex in the face, and somehow the scissors ends up end up cutting off Alex's finger. Yes. And she sees it she like sees what's happened and passes out from shock. And Justine is freaking the fuck out, like, "Oh my god, oh my god, are you alive? Are you alive?" Tries to call nine one one. They're not gonna get there for fifteen minutes, so she's just sort of sitting there with the finger. <laughs> and.
2: <laughs> this. <laughs> Seriously, one of the best music cues mm-hmm. in cinema history kicks in, mm-hmm. and you realize what's going to happen. She's going to
0: eat
1: that finger. Yeah, <laughs> she's going to do it. There, you know, you see the transition happen from, from her freaking out, trying to because initially she's starting to look for ice for the finger. So she right, put the finger right, on, she on she ice. Does, to save she it. calls
2: nine one one. Does all the right stuff. tell shit. her to put the finger on ice. She goes to the fridge. Oh, there's no ice. There's
1: no ice. I'm going to have to eat this finger. <laughs> <laughs> It's that quick. It's like, oh shit! I'm gonna have to eat this damn finger. <laughs>
2: she, she's, she just like licks a little blood.
1: Yeah, she. Well, she sort of slumps down on the floor. She's in front of the fridge. Mm-hmm. So again, we have her sort of on the floor in front of a fridge yeah. in a sort of shame position. Yeah. And she's holding the finger out in front of her and uh, catching the blood that's dropping, dripping from it in the palm of her hand and it just quickly licks up that blood, and then it's just, it's yeah, over. Then it's like, it's one, done.
2: she gets that first She taste. goes
1: in on that finger like it's a fucking rib tip, and she just like, <laughs> <laughs> It is a wrap. Like, that's who you are now. Yeah. Like, that's just what it is. And it's, it's a you, we sort of, so the... The way she's sitting, we're focused on her. She's in the foreground, and Alexia is still sort of passed out in the background, and we see her legs sort of move. I was like, oh, shit, she's about to wake up. Yeah. (laughs) And so Alexia wakes up, turns, sees her sister gnawing the fuck out of her finger, and this just single tear drops out of her eye. And you think it's like a a tear of, like, disgust and fear, but then we find out it's a tear of, like, acknowledgement (laughs) And sisterhood, she's like, oh.
2: I mean, I think there's still a little surprise there's and shock
1: There's a little surprise there. and it's shock, like but it's also just like, oh, I like to eat fingers, too. <laughs> Yay.
2: That whole scene is about as a perfect great scene. as any scene I've ever seen. It's a great scene. Okay, so let's, <laughs> this seems like a good place to pause and talk about cannibalism.
0: <laughs> okay.
2: Julia de DeCornow has said, I watched several interviews with her, and in most of them she made the same point, which is that there's three kind of universal taboos mm-hmm. in every culture on Earth. Murder, incest, and cannibalism. Okay. And she said, cannibalism is the only one that we kind of pretend doesn't exist. <laughs> we pretend it doesn't happen. She And she talked about movies. She said... There are infinite number of movies about murderers, mm-hmm. People beca- normal people becoming murderers. There are movies about incest. But she said cannibalism, when it happens in movies, those people are like monsters. Yeah. They're basically like zombies. Yeah, you
1: can't empathize with them as a viewer. Right, they're
2: right. not human beings anymore. It's always they. Mm-hmm. And she said, what I wanted to do with this movie is take the cannibal and make them I. Mm. And it's a strange thing. Like, why is it? It's so transgressive, and I'm not sure I could articulate why it is. Mm -hmm. It is just meat. It
1: is just meat.
2: (laughs) We watch uh, other people eat every other kind of meat. Padma Lakshmi can do a commercial where she's biting into meat and it's erotic. Yes. Right? She had, did a burger commercial. where
1: well, it's... Dripping
2: yeah. down her chin mm-hmm. and it's erotic. And, You're
1: allowed to eat a burger messily if you <laughs> look like someone who never eats burgers. That's <laughs>
2: that's how that works. But watching a human being bite into something that we know is human flesh mm. is so repulsive and wrong. And why why is that?
1: I cannot explain it. Um, because I mean, all the uh, thinking of the other three, so the argument would be right. Oh, well, there's some, somehow some sort of transgression of the human body and like the sort of, uh, yeah, I don't, maybe it's not about the food pyramid (laughs) or like the food, food chain Uh um, that we have decided that we're the top. Right. And so therefore can't be consumed in that, that that's somehow our particular... That's a
2: good point, that our our concept of ourselves as humans relies on... Just
1: evolutionarily, we can't wrap our heads around that, Mm -hmm. maybe. (laughs) But we can be eaten by other things, though. Like, a lion would eat the shit out of you, so... Right, right. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting, because, you know, you would make the argument, oh, it's about sort of sanctity of the human body, but then that's murder, so you're already sort of transgressing in that way when you murder someone. So right. that doesn't make it any different. Yeah.
2: I mean I do I do think it is about bodily autonomy. Mm-hmm. It's about the body soul being linked and it just feels wrong for someone else to just treat me as food.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Like that's somehow a greater crime.
1: Than treating me as a sex object. Well or
2: I mean I think those things are linked right. and I think that's what one of the things this movie plays with so much.
1: I mean, maybe it is the empathy thing. It's that we have sort of been trained through media to have empathy, or to at least be able to find empathy for people who murder, or for people who engage in incest. Not that it's easy, but you can get there. You
0: can
2: sort of
1: <laughs> see can, right,
2: how you would get right, there.
1: Well, not well, <laughs> right, well, yeah, right but like you can sort of see the path, right? Like right. even the you know those shows of like um, those like snap shows. Where the spouse kills their spouse because, like, they were chewing too loud. Like, you can sort of <laughs> follow the pattern. Oh, no, and, like, that I can totally understand. Yeah, you're understand. like, oh, I totally get I see how you got there. And then, you know, the sort of flowers in the attic shit. oh, I guess I can sort of see how you get there. Mm-hmm cannibalism is probably just a harder leap for people like i can't quite see and maybe that's because i don't yeah i don't know if it's there
2: there have been a lot of movies maybe not a lot of movies but there have been movies about people who were forced right like alive
1: and yeah like
2: alive Mm -hmm. um there was an amc tv show called the terror last year Mm -hmm. about a Shipwreck crew in the 18th century that mm-hmm. eventually had to resort to cannibalism. So there's stuff like that, but this is different. This is this is this is choice as a desire. Yeah, and as flesh obsessed as human beings are, it doesn't seem like it would be that big a leap mm-hmm. to go from
1: lusting after flesh, lusting after to flesh consuming it,
2: to wanting to consume flesh.
1: Mm-hmm. No, that's a good point. I don't. I mean, yeah, I don't know why it's the sort of holy grail of terrors. Yeah. <laughs> <Like> I,
2: <laughs> was it hard to watch? It was these again. Scenes?
1: It was a lot of the where she's actually eating, and there actually aren't that many scenes where she's eating
0: no, no, people.
1: Aren't. I would say the hair scene was hardest for me than anything else, and maybe this was different because I was watching it as a metaphor, and so it wasn't like, oh, she like this is a metaphor for her coming of age as a woman versus. <laughs> This is someone who really actually enjoys eating people.
0: And
1: so just... but,
2: but the movie, I mean, it definitely is a metaphor. Right. But also, the movie plays it very straight.
1: Yeah, it's very, played very straight. Like, she is actually eating it's that. It's not played yeah. for camp. It's no. not
2: played. It's like. It is not you're...
1: a hallucination. It is not. No, she is eating people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, I don't. That's an interesting question of sort of why, how we've sort of become accustomed to and can empathize with one and not this. And I'm not sure I know the answer to that. Maybe we just need more cannibalism stories. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. So let's... All right. So let's get back to the story. So the parents come. We're at the hospital.
1: Alexia does not tell her parents that Justine ate her finger. She says
2: that the dog ate no, her finger. No, which again is another interesting moment when we get to the end of the movie. Because wouldn't they kind of know You would think happened? that they
1: would at least have a question of like, oh, did this... Yeah, you would think that they would...
2: And the dad's like, yeah, we're going to have to put the dog down. Yeah,
1: because <laughs> once an animal tastes human Justine flesh... told them that
2: the dog ate the right. finger.
1: you know, it can't be trusted anymore. Right. Which he also knows is true about his wife.
2: <laughs> and, his and his daughter. And his daughter.
1: So, everybody's in some deep denial here. This is also about family secrets <laughs> that are not
2: helpful. <laughs> and I love, I absolutely love how Alex is about it here and through the rest of the film.
1: She's very chill.
2: She's... It's just it's like, like any time a big sister right. had something against a little sister. Like, oh, you remember that time you...
1: You stole my fucking sweater, you, know, you bitch. Like, right, but exactly. it's like, you ate my finger. You ate
2: my finger. <laughs> <laughs> remember that? And there is real anger there, I think.
1: There is. Which
2: comes out later. We'll yes. get to that. But it's also just like, you know, bitch. Right.
1: But there's a great moment back at the hospital <laughs> when Justine is... First of all, she's trying to make herself vomit. I guess, throw up the finger. Yeah. Um, and she uses the two finger method, so yep, she learns. Yeah, she does. Um, but then she, which did, I'm
2: glad she didn't do, because I was so afraid she was going to throw it out
1: like half death. a chewed finger and or then something.
2: eat it again. Like, <laughs> which I think she probably would have done.
1: Probably. Um, but she's out in front of the hospital with her dad smoking a cigarette, and that's another like he's like, "Do you smoke?" And she's like, "Yeah." Yeah. So, so it's this other moment of like, "I'm not the daughter that you thought I was." Yes, I absolutely do smoke. Yeah. Um, but he says this great line where he's like. Don't have two girls, honey. It's too hard.
0: Which is just...
1: <laughs> so there's, you know, the underlying of, like, just the difficulty of having girls that, you know, people... It's, you know, it's just difficult to have girls. But then we also know that there's this other layer of, like, well, there's particular difficulty around having two girls who are cannibals. Right. Um, and <laughs> so it's just there's really funny moment of just sort of resignation on his part of like this is just what it is to have girls
2: he's just like this put-upon male that's just surrounded by these difficult women so
1: it's a great little moment um but so they leave the hospital and alex takes justine on a little field trip yes and we are back at that sort of long stretch of road that opened the film And uh, Justine and Alex are sort of in a ditch on the side of the road and the whole time Justine's like, um, what's going on? Why are we here? Don't you want to talk about the fact that I ate your finger? And just Alex is just sort of intently focused on the road and the the passing cars and then we just see her dart out in front of one of the cars. It hits her and then crashes into a tree. Justine is, you know, obviously freaking out. It's like, oh, my God, are you dead? Are you okay? What's going on? Alex gets up very sort of nonchalantly, walks over to the passenger side of the car and proceeds to gnaw on (laughs) the exposed brain of the passenger. And Justine is just like this moment of horror of like, what the hell are you doing? What's going on? And Alex is just like, well, this is what you're going to have to do. I'm trying to teach you. You know, I did this for you. You're going to need to know how to do this. So, you know, just as. She taught her how to tweeze her eyebrows and wax her bikini line and poorly, um, and you know, you know, dress in a sexual way. You know, you're gonna need to know how to get your food. You're basically gonna need to know how to hunt. Right. So yeah, and that seems to be the sort of dividing line. I think one of the things you said, one of the words you used at the, the sort of top of the podcast was this idea of it being a humane portrayal, and I think the argument is that you know if you can be a humane cannibal somehow that is where Justine falls it seems to be that she is not willing to murder for her right. food um whereas and Alex has seen that this is just sort of a necessary solution to her problem well not problem, to her hunger
0: her
2: hunger yeah. right yeah and Alex doesn't it doesn't seem to bother Alex at all no, that she's murdering no. people
1: and there's no judgment in the film no, either. No the film doesn't yeah. really
2: deal with that at all yeah Alex's approach to it is sort of like people's approach to animals Mm -hmm. it's like okay well i'm hungry i'm just going to kill some Mm -hmm. and get what i want from them
1: well it's a great so it sort of harkens back there's this moment um towards the beginning of the film when uh justine first gets to school she's you know in the cafeteria sitting at a table with a bunch of her classmates and they're having this sort of philosophical conversation about you know where the difference between animals animal rights and and human rights lies and justine you know states pretty strongly that, that there is no difference. Like, animal rights are human rights. They're on sort of the same footing. And she says, you know, and one of her classmates asks, you know, so you are saying that to rape a monkey is the same as raping a woman? And Justine was like, yes, obviously. Like, right. those are the same things. And so...
2: She says monkeys are self-aware. Right. I think, you know, a monkey suffers just as much just as, as, as much a woman Just as much as a woman would
1: suffer in a rape. Um, and so if, you know, if we're working within that sort of moral code, then yes, if monkey rape equals woman rape, then eating an m- animal is the same as eating a human. And we've said that eating an animal is okay, so then eating a human must be okay. Right. So it really is a sort of defining morality moment for the
2: film. So we're back
1: at school with Justine, and they're in, I guess, lab where they're about to sort of cut into some dog cadavers.
2: Which, considering that Justine has just basically let their family dog get killed (laughs) to cover her crime is sort of an ironic little moment. They're now performing autopsies on dead
0: dogs.
1: Right. So, asks her for help sort of tying up his scrubs. And she is helping him and sort of lingers a little bit too long. And you can see her sort of taking in his scent. Yes. In the way that both a lover would take in the scent of the, of, of their partner. And also the way that a hunter would take in the scent of prey.
0: Something
2: has been awakened. There's definitely ingesting. an awakening that has
1: just happened. So, she hacks the shit out of that dog cadaver. Um <laughs> uh, and then we go to the scene where Justine is watching Adrian and a group of boys playing soccer. And yes, here's,
2: are, here's your female gaze moment.
1: Yes, it's all female gaze. It's all um, young, virile boys with their shirts off running around playing soccer in excellent shape and all the sort of hyper-masculine display. And she's sort of standing on the sidelines very intently focused on Adrian and almost to the point where she's like licking her lips in lust and anticipation focused so much that she starts she gets a nosebleed um
0: yes.
1: and it's this wonderful moment of like there's a change that has happened And in the next scene, we see Justine back in her dorm room. She's wearing the dress that her sister gave her, and she
2: is... This is such a great scene. It's such a great
1: scene. She's listening to this sort of um, French hip-hop song that's all about, like, sex, and it's, it's... The rappers are female, and so it's, like, sex from the woman's point of view, and it's basically... Sort of, this is what I want, and this is how you're going to give it to me. So very empowered,
2: very controlling. Yes, very very explicit.
1: Yeah, and she's just sort of dancing suggestively in front of the mirror and watching herself and watching how her body moves and um, sort of grinding up close to the mirror. And then she's put on lipstick and she's kissing the mirror and leaving lipstick marks all over the mirror and smearing the lipstick all over her face. And so it's this very pivotal moment of. Owning her sexuality and embracing her sexuality and sort of just growing into it um, and having fun with it, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and figuring out, you know what is sexy for her and what does sexy feel like for her? not as it's defined by her sister and not as it's defined by anyone else.
2: And we get like we've had blood smeared all mm-hmm. over everything in this film. And she, she's making out with the mirror with this lipstick she just put on. And she's mm-hmm. smearing the red lipstick all over everything. So we have the, the connection between those two things mm-hmm. that are happening within her at the same time. Yeah. The bloodlust and the lust-lust.
1: Right.
2: <laughs> and she, she, she wanders out after that scene. And Alex and Adrian are sitting in the outer room. I guess it's Adrian's room. Playing mm-hmm. video games. And that's a moment of...
1: Territorial jealousy. Absolutely. Yes, ex- yeah,
2: yeah exactly. I mean, she even says
1: something like, keep away from him or something or back off. Yeah, hands off or
2: yeah. something like that. And
1: Alex goes, oh, I thought he was gay, which he is gay. Right. Um, <laughs> but again, it's that sort of that sibling rivalry of wanting to have something all for yourself and not wanting to share it with your sister.
2: That's also the moment where, um, I think you mentioned earlier, Alex says, oh, did you lose weight? That dress, yeah. that dress looks good on you yeah.
0: now. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And it's a little bit of that sisterly insult because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, did you lose weight now? My dress fits you, right? Kind of. It dig. looks better on
1: you now. But then she also says, "I hope you're not anorexic." <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, right. Because <laughs> anorexia is so boring. Yes. But it's also just this acknowledgement that that Justine has changed. Has changed. Yes. Has sort of come into her sexuality. Mm-hmm. But Justine has told her she's not going to eat meat. Right. She's like, I don't need it. I'm okay. I'm going to be fine. I don't need to crash cars to do this. Right. I'm just going to give it up. Mm -hmm. And that night we see her trying to give it up.
1: And she is basically going through the DTS there. Um, (laughs) It's a great shot because we're in the bed with Justine and she's sort of under the sheet. And its it has a feel of sort of being in a tunnel or almost in a hole. And she's, you know, twitching and scratching and sort of jerking around and hallucinating that someone is sort of hitting her through the sheet. Yeah,
2: she's going through the DTs bad. She's going through the
1: DTs real bad. And I think it's sort of a great visualization of withdrawal symptoms and how sort of claustrophobic and scary and painful it can be. So she gets out
0: of bed, and it's
2: also—it's also again. I keep saying this, but it's just like intensely physical. Yes. It's all about the body. Yes, this is not, and I think this is true of a lot of body horror stuff. It's where it's—it's it's not about the corruption of the soul.
0: It's—it's
2: mm-hmm. it's about the mm-hmm. body, mm-hmm. and you know what she is going through: this withdrawal and this desire mm-hmm. is this just intensely physical thing yeah. that I think that scene realizes very effectively.
1: Well, it actually, reminds me. I think you mentioned earlier in the podcast about um, sort of werewolf transformation
0: mm-hmm. and
1: how good is a werewolf in London?
2: American Werewolf in American London. American Werewolf yeah. in
1: London captures that as like it is a, as a painful transition yes. like it is it is bones breaking and bones sort of yeah. transforming and the body sort of contorting itself in a way that isn't natural and that's sort of what we see with her in the bed is she's sort of scratching at herself and scratching it and it looks as though it is, like, there is something sort of breaking and changing and growing inside of her in a very physical, painful way.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, almost akin to, like, this sort of werewolf transformation. There's moments where her hands are sort of clawed and,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: not totally human-looking. And she's sort of screaming out in these very sort of animalistic primal screens. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's um, really, really well done.
2: So she gets up to go to a party.
1: Yeah, so she gets up to go to a party. (laughs) Because that's what you do when you can't sleep and you're going through the withdrawal. She kind
2: of wanders out into the hallway. I think she's still in her underwear. She is, she's still in her pajamas that
1: she's been sleeping in. And she just sort of wanders out into the dorm hall. And stumbles upon um, a party, and again, these kids never seem to be doing any work.
2: Um, they have a lot of par- a lot of they weird have a lot parties. of
1: weird parties, um, and this was apparently a paint party.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: they douse her with blue paint, and then they pull a gentleman who'd already been covered in yellow paint, and they sh- shove the two of them into the bathroom and say, "Go make green." Right. So basically, a really you know fucked up seven minutes in heaven sort of thing.
2: It's kind of an interesting moment to think just thinking about that because it's like. She's had blood thrown on her yes. earlier in the film. Mm-hmm. And here we get these sort of these bright primary colors mm-hmm. of the paint. Mm-hmm. She's blue and the other guy is yellow.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It's almost like this is this could have been a more normal form of sexuality. Mm-hmm. Like the, the color coding is like that this is something more normal. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't work out that way. No, it does not work out. <laughs> Because she finds the red.
1: She finds the red um, instead of making green. So they, he sort of, you know, making out with her and rubbing up on her, and you know, says something along the lines of, you know, we don't have to rush or anything. Or I'm not going to hurt right. you. Don't
2: worry, we can go slow. We can go slow.
1: And he doesn't realize that she's going to go real fast. <laughs> um, and she bites the shit out of his lip. <laughs> and he runs out of the bathroom screaming, bleeding. And Adrian has, is at the party and sort and. He sees this happen and sort of gives her a knowing look of just like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. And we go, we're back with them at their dorm room. Um, and he asks her, did he, like, in talking about the guy in the bathroom, did he try to, you know, touch you or did he, was he like rough with right. you or tried to assault you? And she's like, no. He's like, oh, well, did you like him? And she's like, mm, I don't really know. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, well, are you into S and M? Is it just like you're into pain, or like trying to figure <laughs> Did this out turn
2: you on, right?
1: Exactly what was going on in that bathroom, and sort of where she is. And he's like, you know, are you into S and M or something worse? Right. And she just goes, sort of shrugs it off, and is like, mm, I'm going to go to bed. So he proceeds to watch porn, as you do.
2: Yeah, because he's gotten turned on. He's gotten turned on by, this turned on
1: by a it. Bit. So she comes out of the room, and she says, "It's worse."
2: She's wearing a towel. Wearing she a comes towel. out wearing a towel.
1: And then they proceed to have like the roughest sex (laughs) I've ever seen on film. Um, and it's basically she's basically a rabid dog like they are going at it and she is growling and trying to bite the shit out of him the whole time Yeah, and he's she's
2: on top she's
1: on top and he's steadily trying to like push her head away so that she doesn't bite him and telling her to stop and stop
0: Mm -mm. like he doesn't
1: want her to stop having sex he he just wants her to sort of stop trying to bite him (laughs) Um, (laughs) and she's going for it Um, but so they climax and for her to sort of finish and be satisfied she has to bite something so she ends up biting down on her own arm and draws a significant amount of blood while doing so. And he's just kind of like, oh, okay, this is interesting. Yeah. And that was her deflowering. And that
2: was her
0: deflowering. Very, very
1: beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so the next day he does what a lot of men in college do after they've had sex with someone. He ghosts her. Yeah. And she confronts him by like, well, what the fuck? Like you, you know, you have sex with me, you take my virginity and now you don't want to talk to me. And it turns out he wasn't being an asshole. He is gay, as he has said the whole time. Yeah, it
2: isn't about he's (laughs) disgusted at her biting or anything. No, no. Or afraid of her. He's just like, that's not who I am.
1: Right. He says something like, you know, I didn't spend 20 years in the closet to come to college and have sex with girls. And so, that is fair. That is him owning his sexuality. It is. It's it's
2: the other side of that female gaze thing where it's like you don't get to make me the object of your fantasy and change who I am.
1: So with Adrian off the table, she has to go find someone else. Yeah. (laughs) So she goes to yet another party wearing that dress yet again with some like ratty tights. And what I love is that she's wearing it with sneakers. It's just like Again, sort of defining what femininity is for her. And it isn't, you know, trying to struggle in heels. It's, I'm going to yeah. wear this short little skanky dress with some Reeboks. Um, <laughs> so she's drinking heavily and she's, she's drinking totally so much. Out of it.
2: It's such a great scene. She's wandering through that party. Mm-hmm. And
1: again, it's all sweaty bodies yeah. and making out. And, and
2: she's like just grabbing every person yeah. she walks by. And she tries to kiss a guy, and his girlfriend gets upset, and then so she, she tries kisses to the, kiss girlfriend. the girlfriend. <laughs> like, she doesn't care. No. She's just hungry. Yes. She's feral yeah. at this point.
1: Alex finds her and sort of takes her to the, I guess, the medical school that's next door to the veterinary clinic. Right. And they're in the morgue. Yeah. And um, we see her sort of pull out a cadaver, and then we, as an audience, leave that scene. And the next scene is, the next day, Justine wakes up, obviously hungover stumbling to class and we see everybody sort of pointing at her and looking at her and just giving her looks. Mm -hmm. She sits down next to one of her classmates and the classmate gets up and actually moves away from her after giving this like look of just utter disgust. Yeah. We don't know you know it's clear that something happened last night but we don't know what
0: happened.
1: And then Adrian finds her and is like oh I have to show you something. So he shows her a video that someone took at the party and it's Alex is in the morgue with her, and Justine is on the ground, basically, again, like a dog and totally feral at this point. And Alex is dangling the arm of a cadaver in front of Justine and teasing her with it. And, you know, Justine is sort of jumping up, trying to bite the arm. And Alex is telling her to go fetch. And, you know, all of the classmates are standing around just in utter disgust and fascination with what's going on. You
2: hear somebody say, oh, come on, don't film that. Yeah. She's really fucked up. Right. But, of course, They're everyone of filming. is filming it. Right. They're all...
1: Which, again, is like, that's something that happens. You strip away the sort of layer of cannibalism. That's something that happens to girls yeah. all the time in high school and at college. Is like, you, you drink too much. You are put in a compromised position, and people take advantage, and they film you. That film goes everywhere, and then you're, you're a pariah, and you're disgusting, and you're a skank, and you're all these other yeah. things. So it's like... Again, just using this the cannibalism as a sort of way to inject some life into what is, you know, a very standard narrative of sort of
2: Right. A very standard horror story right. for for girls, girls in college in college
1: and even in high school. Yeah. Um
2: so uh she goes to find her sister.
1: Yes, and we have the best <laughs> And again,
2: going back to that scene just for a second. That has to have been the little lingering anger mm-hmm. about the eating of the finger yeah. coming out. Yeah. Like that's the sister was a little pissed off and yeah. decided she was going to get some. Well,
1: it's not, and again, it's like, it's taking something very normal of, like, siblings doing shitty things to each other just because if that's what you do. is yeah. like, I'm going to be mean to you because I just feel like being mean to you. But it's now amped up to a level of 10 because now we're dealing with fucking cannibals. So it's like, now I'm going to tease you with this cadaver and make you look like you're going to eat it.
2: The other thing I'll say about that scene before we move on, Julia DeCornow has said that she originally conceived this story taking place in a medical school. Mm-hmm. And then she was like, oh no, if I do that, I have no story because there's bodies everywhere. Yeah, they, they can, can just, just go just down the to the bodies, morgue yeah. and have a snack. Like yeah. there's, That's not even a short Which I'm still not sure then. why they didn't do. Yeah, that's, a, I mean, you know, but
1: okay. you want them fresh. I guess, that, I, I think that's how I wrote it off is that they probably don't want old frozen bodies. <laughs> and it's probably harder to explain why the cadavers have bite marks out of it. Like, it maybe just be... That
2: would, after a while, you yeah. would think that would, somebody would notice that, but, yes. yeah, So that's a
1: question. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so she goes to look for her sister uh, to confront her about, you know, what happened that night, and you have this the, is
2: everybody's on the roof because this is they've just announced the end of the hazing yeah. period, so
1: all the students initiation are week there. is over, and it's the most epic sister-on-sister fight ever because you have two cannibals fighting so there are no rules (laughs) okay she's gonna get ugly quick alex takes a big chunk out of justine's cheek yeah they both chomp down on each other's arms there's just a lot of again like feral dogs going at each other um and then they finally are broken up and i think two people use like scarves to sort of lasso them again as if they're trying to leash mad dogs yeah Justine is able to sort of break away, and then she goes to free Alex from, from the other guy, and they sort of walk off together in this, like, joined moment of, like, fuck you guys, you don't get us, and we're sisters, and blah, 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 the right. like, whole crowd
2: is, like, turned against Right, and they're and just they disgusted at the whole display.
1: So they walk off together. Justine takes Alex back to her dorm, and, you know, they're sort of cleaning each other up <laughs> and patching <laughs> each other's wounds. Justine makes a sort of fateful decision, so she leaves Alex in her bedroom and she could lock the door so that Alex couldn't get out.
2: Right. To... We see we see her take the key, we see her standing there thinking about it.
1: Mm-hmm. Should I lock Alex in? She decides not to. Yeah. Which proves to be a very fateful decision. And then Justine goes to lie down in the bed with Adrian. Adrian. She wakes up the next morning and turns over and sees a seemingly peacefully sleeping.
2: <laughs> did you Adrian. see did you see
1: this coming? I actually didn't. Okay. And mainly because he looks he did look like he was sleeping. So he he looked very look, peaceful. Yeah, he didn't look like but I guess that's what you look like when you're dead. He um she starts to sort of caress him and she gets further and further down and pulls her hand back and it's covered in blood. Yeah. She pulls the sheets off and she realizes that she sees that like a big chunk. <laughs> Of Adrian's leg is just gone. Like, he's been, it's just a chicken bone, basically. And she is thinking that she ate him in the middle of the night. Right. And she's sort of shaking him and yelling at him, like, why didn't you hit me? Why didn't you stop me? You could have stopped me. You just needed to hit me. But then she sees that he's been stabbed in the back with a ski pole. And she realizes it couldn't have been her. It must have been Alex. So she goes to look for Alex and she finds Alex sort of slumped down again, slumped down in front of a fridge, Mm -hmm. covered in blood. And totally zombified. Like she's not really responding. Yeah, she's her eyes are just, she's just not there. But she had a
2: big meal, it made she her did. sleepy.
1: She was tired. Um, she Justine picks up the ski pole and sort of just points it at Alex's head as if she's gonna stab her. Yeah. She considers it, decides not to, and instead sort of takes Alex up in her arms and takes her to the bathroom and very lovingly just starts. Of,
2: it's such, it's such an amazing it's a scene. It's It's so scene. intimate.
1: She undresses Alex, and she undresses herself, and they both get into the shower to sort of wash the blood off of themselves. And um, Justine is washing out... Like, Alex is not really... She's totally cat- catatonic and just yeah. not responding. So um, Justine is washing the blood off of her and very, again, lovingly just cleaning her up. And, and it's, getting... it's
2: like a mother yeah. cleaning a child.
1: And again, not sexualized in any right. way, not an objectified scene. It's, it really is just two people... Who are, who have, who know each other and who, who know exactly who the other is and have decided to love each other anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a very sort of, that's a love that only siblings really have. It's like, I told, I absolutely know who you are and you absolutely know who I am. And, you know, in spite of all of that, I'm going to love you for who you are. But obviously that bitch has to go to jail
2: because she <laughs> murdered someone. It's gonna be kind of hard to cover up. It's gonna be
1: hard to cover that one up. Yeah. That's a little more that's a little harder than, oh, it was just an accident on a highway. Right. Um, so the next scene is we see Justine handcuffed behind plate glass. And this is another really beautifully done oh, it's shot. That's a great shot. We see the reflection of Alex's face in the glass and the reflection of uh, justine's face and they're sort of superimposed over each other you
2: almost don't know what you're looking right, at right because it's first. sort I mean, of
1: fuzzy and out of focus um and as one moves and the other one doesn't the faces sort of shift but it's basically akin to saying like these are the same people like they're the same yeah the parents sort of get up and walk away and nothing is said i guess this is like sort of visiting hours and uh, and then justine gets up and before she leaves she puts her cheek up against the plate glass and Alex kisses her where the where she had, you know yes. earlier taken a chunk yeah. out of her cheek, and then uh, Alex flips off her sister with the finger that she <laughs> no longer has yeah, and it's a really actually beautiful loving little moment
2: because right. um, they're still sort of teasing each
1: they other are. and like they're holding sisters. right it's like yeah. you know shit happens. <laughs> um, so then we we're back at the sort of family home. Justine is sort of moving some vegetables around on a plate, but she doesn't want to eat them. And her mom is, you know, saying, you're going to eat all those vegetables and you can't leave the table until you eat the vegetables. Yeah. And um, her, you know, her mom goes away and then it's just, she and her dad sitting at the table and her dad says something like, you know, it's not your fault. And Justine's like, yeah, no, I know. And she, he's like, no, no, really, it's not your fault. Um, your mom... Was tough at first. Mm -hmm. Um, I would, you know, try to ask her out, but she would say that we were just best friends. And then we kissed, and I knew. And that's when we realized that the scar that is above his lip was because his wife had (laughs) chewed the fuck out of his face. And so he opens his shirt and you just see s- scars and bite marks that must have come from, you know, a, a lifetime together of her indulging herself on him over the course of the years. And he's just r- sort of resigned himself to that role of sort of being food, food, for his wife. <laughs> for his wife. When she
2: needs to bite like, something, she's biting that's him. That's
1: just, you know, a, a part of their marriage. Um, is in a
2: part of every marriage.
1: You know, everybody has their shit. And then he says, he tells Justine, you know, I'm sure you'll find a solution, honey. Which is just, like, I don't know how you search for that on Tinder or OkCupid. Okay like, do you want to be my snack? But, yeah, that's going to be a rough ho to ho there.
2: And that's the end of the movie. That
1: is the end of the movie.
2: It's, it's funny to me how ineffectual the parents are mm-hmm. in this movie. Mm-hmm. And the mother in particular, like, we get to know the dad a little bit. Yeah. The mother is just off screen. We hear her, you know, those couple of scenes where she's like, eat your food. Mm -hmm. But she's not a character. No. When really she probably could have provided some insight into all of this. (laughs) But I also think that's just about that period in your life, too. It's like your parents are not... Yes, they've been through everything you've been through, you know, but they're just gone. They're yeah. out of the picture. You're you're figuring shit out for yourself. Yeah. And even at the end of the film, the dad is just like, yeah, you know, I'm sure you'll figure it right. out. You'll find a solution.
1: <laughs> Not, we're going to need to get you some help or anything like that. Like, no, you're you're a cannibal and you're just going to have to deal with that. Yeah. As if she had diabetes. <laughs> um, so, yeah.
2: And that is Raw. And
1: that is Raw.
2: Okay, so is it a horror movie? We started with that
0: question.
1: I don't know that it is. I think I would say, because there aren't any really, like, jump scares or anything like that. Um, I really do think it's just a coming-of-age tale that happens to involve cannibalism. (laughs) 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 I don't know that I would consider it a horror movie. I mean, because I think it employs a lot of the sort of anxieties and fears that, again, just come with your typical sort of of coming-of-age thing. Like, that... Scene where she's dropped off at the univer at the campus and it looks scary and foreboding mm-hmm. and you know that is what being dropped off at college is. like it just it is yeah. scary and foreboding. Well, that's the thing.
2: Just, so much yeah. of this is the horror movie mm-hmm. of normal life right. at when you start college
1: and the horror of being a woman, a, a young girl growing into her womanhood in and yeah. how society treats you, how it both celebrates you and punishes you. So yeah, it's just and
2: figuring out yeah, how to navigate the right. things you want that other people don't necessarily approve exactly. of. And so
1: I mean, I think it's it's a. <laughs> I don't know that I would call it a horror movie.
2: <laughs> <laughs> there are horrifying. There are
1: horrifying elements. Moments. Yes, mainly the hair.
2: That was that, so that was the worst That was probably the
1: worst for me, is her chewing the hair and then watching her vomit the hair back up was <laughs> probably the, the, the sort of, the point for me where I was just like, okay, I could tap out.
2: Did it make you hungry?
1: I sort of want a burger. Yeah, yeah. right? I
0: could, yeah, I could eat a burger. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's our show. We want to thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next week as the Unenthusiastic Critics 2018 Halloween Movie Marathon comes to an end. Nakia, for the final film in our marathon, I was going to pick something dark and artsy and psychologically dense, but you have been such a good sport (laughs) that I feel you deserve a special treat. This will be good. So, for dessert this year... We're going to be revisiting one of your favorite franchises and watch Sam Raimi's Evil Dead 2 Dead by Dawn.
1: What would you say <laughs> if I said, I never want to see Evil Dead 2?
2: I would say, you're shit out of luck. <laughs> In the meantime, you can find us on the web at unaffiliatedcritic.com, follow us on Twitter at free range critic, or leave us a review on iTunes. In any of these places, we encourage you to suggest a film Nakia desperately needs to see to make her life complete. Until next time, remember, true love means making your partner watch movies they really, really don't want to watch.
1: I prefer dark meat.
2: (laughs) Story of my life.
1: (laughs) You know who else did that? Um, That show Hannibal. That also made me oh I'm yeah that, hungry and that ways show I was, was not like comfortable. Food
2: with. porn. It
1: really was, but it's also because I love Mads and I think <laughs> he is a sexy motherfucker and I would eat anything he put in my face. Like yes, I will absolutely. Okay, that
2: sounded really dirty. It was meant
1: to be. <laughs> <laughs> I love him. <laughs> I would absolutely look the other way in that relationship. I'm like, yep, that's cool dude. That's right. Yep. <laughs>
2: invite me to your dinner party as
1: long as i can you know be with you i will i will do see i can understand the husband there it's rude
2: to ask what's in the food anyway it really is like someone
1: prepared something lovely for you you just eat it (laughs) you know that's the rule